our churches both uh, do a lot of evangelism and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we meet so many people in the street and when we knock on doors and things who are exactly like this, mm-hmm. they think nothing of Christ. They even mock him and mock us for um, believing in him. And it's kind of like, it's, it's deeply upsetting to know that this is their fate if they don't repent. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Him Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Tara Devereaux. And I'm Monet Funke. Today we will be discussing the last hymn in our Countdown to Easter series, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. We will discuss the man behind the hymn and who the real author is. We will be discussing Holy Week and how this hymn points us to a day even more glorious than Easter. But first, if you haven't already, head over to himpartial.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. This allows us to keep in touch with you when the pesky algorithms of social media decide to up and change. Plus, the weekly newsletter contains all sorts of fun bonus content, including exclusive videos that our subscribers get to see first. In this week's bonus clip, Monet and I are going to be discussing a theological subject that most hymnists have failed to write about. Which topic are we talking about? Well, subscribers will find out first, so don't miss out on next week's bonus clip. Go to himpartial.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter today. It's Holy Week! And we're very excited to speak about this week's hymn, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. This is one of my husband's favorite hymns. Um, And thinking of this hymn and its author, it reminded me of when we had Matt Boswell on our show. And he called Charles Charles Wesley, the author of this hymn, Poet Laureate of the Church. Um, I personally only heard of this hymn in recent years, but it's quite beautiful. Cara, what's your exposure to this hymn? Um, I haven't sung it many times, but it's definitely memorable. And I really like Charles Wesley, so I'm mm-hmm. kind of aware of it. Yeah. Um, I think we, I think the first time we sang it was during the lock, the first lockdown in 2020, um, because my husband was doing a series on 1 Corinthians 15, and he was searching high and low for a, a song that had this hymn's subject matter um and and he he didn't find much so little of a hint to what we're going to talk about in our bonus in our bonus clip today um but before we dig into the hymn text just a brief recap on its author if you're like me you probably mix up today's author with his older brother john wesley <laughs> in my mind they're kind of interchangeable in fact folks often refer to the pair of them as the wesleys uh that maybe isn't completely fair however their impact on the church uh was certainly interlinked um so charles wesley was born in lincolnshire lincolnshire Lincolnshire. lincolnshire in the early 1700s he was the son of a rector and grandson of a prominent dissenting pastor as well, though Charles's father kept the family rigidly attached to the Church of England. He was the second youngest of 19 children, only 10 of which survived infancy. Um, his father was a poet and his mother a Jacobite. So between that and his father's fidelity to the Church of England, they were super duper English. <laughs> no shade. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, 
Charles followed in his older brother's footsteps by pursuing study and higher education at St. Peter's College and then later Christ Church College, Oxford. And after graduating, he obtained a fellowship in Lincoln College, Oxford. Um, due to the way in which he approached study um, in the method of the university, Charles gained the nickname Methodist. Um, so it was Charles who began the ecclesiastical movement we know today as Methodism and his older brother, John, who really shaped the movement um, with him over time. I would say Methodism is very, very different today from what it was back then. Yes, definitely. As most things are, you know, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, but if, if you kind of look at Methodism today and you're yeah. like, really? That's what John and Charles Wesley stood for? The yeah. answer is no, no, no. really. <laughs> <laughs> totally different, totally different. Um, so he's said to have written about 6,500 hymns. Um, and I couldn't remember, because I remember we had this discussion before when we were talking about Charles, if that was the number you had, because we, when we were talking about Fanny Crosby, I was like, oh, Fanny Crosby's written so, so many hymns. And you're like, oh, I think that's more than Charles Wesley. But 6,500 feels like more than Fanny Crosby. Do you remember off the top of your head what? I don't remember what Fanny, how many Fanny Crosby wrote. But I remember the estimate for Wesley because they're not entirely sure the exact number, but it was like six to eight, depending yeah. who you uh, ask. Yeah. And I think it was just more than, than Fanny Crosby. She was something like four or 5,000. Okay, that makes she sense. She was still like a lot. Yeah, I mean, a hundred hymns is a lot. Let's be honest. Yes. <laughs> you wrote thousands. <laughs> um, so in, in the hymnal titled Wesleyan Hymn Book, he wrote... 623 of the 770 hymns um so you know <laughs> he was kind of like really pushing it in terms of the pair of them he kind of wrote i want to say most of them um so he published more than 30 poetical works as well some of those in collaboration with his brother uh, some of the subjects of his hymns included his own conversion and marriage, uh, current events such as natural disasters, invasions, etc. Um, every festival of the church, every doctrine of the Christian faith, and um, hymns for children, which you know I have such a soft spot for. So to learn more about Charles Wesley, check out our episode 40. Um where we speak about his famous hymn, And Can It Be, which is one of Carr's favorite hymns ever, 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 ever. Um, but today we're talking about a lesser known hymn. Uh, like I said, Lo, He Comes With Clowns Ascending. This hymn was actually originally written by another Methodist called John Sinek, uh, which is really interesting because when I looked at, when I was looking this up in various hymnals, I looked at our hymnal that we use at our church as a first instance, and it said John Sinek, comma, Charles Wesley. And I was like, wait, who? And I'm trying to look this guy up. It's not much on him, to be fair. But his hymn was called Lo, He Cometh Countless Trumpets. And okay. this was apparently substantially revised by Charles Wesley. Um, and Charles had it public. He, it was published by Charles like a few years after John Sinek had died. Um, because of this kind of version one, version two evolution, some hymnals, uh, present a combination of the two texts. Mm -hmm. I could not find a version of this hymn that was just John Sinek's. 
So your guess is as good as mine, which verses belong to him and which verses belong to Charles. But I know um, I've seen as little as three or four verses up to six. And our Christian hymns version has five. So is this like um, Cornerstone versus um, On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, where it's kind of like, it's sort of like, it's sort of the same song, but quite heavily changed. I don't know. I think it's more like, um, what was that hymn that we talked about where it was initially like in another language and then translated and then picked um, up verses along the way? The Finnish one. Um, yes. Yes, I know the one you're talking about. It's Can't totally sleeping wine. We're going to remember it like 20 minutes from now. It's like a super famous one. It's not How Great Thou Art, is it? It is How Great Thou Art. It, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It is How Great Thou Art. Okay. I think it's more like that. I mean, because like I said, the reference said that it was substantially changed. And mm-hmm. How Great Thou Art is basically a whole nother song um, from the original song. So I think that's, I think it's more like that. Um, okay. And of course, most of the hymnals attribute the lyrics solely to Charles. So yeah, it, let us know if you think like what you're what, weigh in on this debate. If you're listening and you're like, um, I have opinions on this. Let us know. Cause the thing is copyright didn't exist back then. So there's nothing yeah, you can do about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> just pick it up and change it uh, however you want. So before we dig in, I'll have Cara read the five verses we find in Christian hymns and then we'll take it from there. Okay. So the lyrics go, Lo, he comes with clouds descending, once for favoured sinners slain. Thousands, thousands, saints attending, swell the triumph of his train. Hallelujah, God appears on earth to reign. Every eye shall now behold him, robed in dreadful majesty. Those who set at naught and sold him, pierced and nailed him to the tree, deeply wailing, shall the true Messiah see. Every island, sea and mountain, heaven and earth shall flee away. All who hate him must, confounded, hear the trump proclaim the day. Come to judgment, come to judgment, come to judgment, come away. Now redemption, long expected, see in solemn pomp appear. All his saints by man rejected, now shall meet him in the air. Hallelujah, hallelujah, see the day of God appear. Yea, amen, let all adore thee high on thine eternal throne. Saviour, take the power and glory, claim the kingdom for thine own. O come quickly, O come quickly, hallelujah, come Lord, come. So, great song, by the way. It's just good, it's just great lyrics. Um, So this hymn is about Christ's second coming. Now, you might be asking, why are we talking about this at Easter when we celebrate Christ rising from the dead? Well, because it's Holy Week, I'm just going to take a second and just describe what we're talking about. Because not every tradition celebrates Holy Week, even even traditions that don't celebrate it like explicitly. They still know what it is. They still make a reference to some of the days within the week, um, even within their own church. So Holy Week is when churches all over the world take time leading up to Easter to reflect back on that historical week 2000 years ago when Jesus was welcomed into Jerusalem like a king on Palm Sunday. 
but quickly events deteriorated, humanly speaking, and a plot was formed to arrest him. One of his own disciples was in on the plot. Um, Jesus he was, it, really. he, I know. Uh, yes. Anyway. Yes. He sold him. Spoiler. <laughs> um, he was arrested, dragged off in the dead of night, then passed back and forth from one court to another. Finally, to be tried in the court of public opinion, where the crowds called for him to be crucified. Um, and crucified just means he was publicly and shamefully executed, despite the fact that he was completely innocent of any crimes, let alone a crime requiring death. And the guy trying him recognized that, but did it yeah, anyway. did it anyway. So then we come to his crucifixion at the end of the week, and we remember this on Good Friday. So that's another day in the calendar of Holy Week. And Good Friday is only good because three days later on Sunday, a.k.a. Easter, Jesus was resurrected, proving that he had power even over death, um, which meant that he was who he said he was this whole time. Emmanuel, God with us, God's son sent to take away the sins of the world. Now, some might not realize this, but Christians celebrate Easter every week. <laughs> uh, Christians meet on Sunday instead of Saturday. And we meet on Sunday because that's the day of the week that Christ rose again. So on our last episode before Easter, you'd think we would have chosen him to look back to one of those days in the first Holy Week. But instead, we're looking forward to when Jesus will come again. And from this hymn by Charles Wesley, we find a reflection of why the resurrection is so significant and how it points to our Savior and what it will be like for all of us, Christian or not, when we see him on that day. So let's break it down. But before we break it down, any thoughts on Holy Week, Cara? Um, no, I know that Actually, yes, I said no, but the answer is, the answer is yes, I do, actually. Um, I know that there are some Protestants who think it's a very Catholic thing. Um, and there are some things about Holy Week, ways of celebrating it, that are very Roman Catholic. But I don't think it's wrong to um, take the week to reflect on what actually happened and why it happened. Mm -hmm. um, at the moment, I'm actually reading a series of sermons on Flavel and it's coincidence that I got to the part I'm in at this time of year but he's talking about he talks about in several of the sermons the things Christ did to prepare for his death mm. and then he talks about some of the disasters they're not really disasters because the hand of providence was in it but some mm. of the the things that led up to his death so there's a sermon about Judas betraying him there's one about his trial um, and he just talks about why all these things were important and where they mm. were going and what they meant and mm. I think there's nothing wrong in um, really thinking deeply about what happened because it's a pivotal point in history mm. and it's it's our whole faith hinges on it so it's yep. good to think about all of that I agree 100% <laughs> having said I have no thoughts on it <laughs> I have no thoughts but wait <laughs> So each each verse of this hymn is kind of deep diving into one scene, one glorious scene when Christ returns. So let's start with verse one that gets some of its imagery from Revelation 1, 7. Cara, do you mind reading that for us? 
Of course. So Revelation 1 7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Yes. So obviously we hear language directly from this verse in that first uh, stanza of the song. So this kind of blew my mind and maybe I'm off here, but I did check with my husband and he said I probably wasn't. But verse one of our hymn is basically your Palm Sunday, but in HD. Like Jesus is coming down in all his magisterial glory you know, swell the triumph of his train. All the saints are gathered round him, thousand, thousand. And instead of crying Hosanna, like they were on Palm Sunday, they're crying hallelujah, which both are a cry of praise. And they're, and it says that they're recognizing that God is in their presence, right? It's not just like, yay, this is like a specific divine, like yeah. recognition. Um, And then obviously the last line ends, God appears on earth to reign. (laughs) In case you were wondering, (laughs) who's that coming on the cloud descending? It's God. (laughs) It makes it very clear. So great imagery there. Verses two, three, and four, I'm going to just kind of take in a chunk, um, but I'll, I'll break them down just now. And then we'll talk about kind of the scripture that lays across all of it. Verse two takes us to another part of the scene. Okay, so we got the first scene. He's coming in, magisterial glory, right? Everybody's like, oh, hallelujah, right? Verse two takes us to another part of the scene for all the haters who rejected God, right? We have this phrase, set at naught, which I had to look up. It basically means people who disrespected him or saw him as unworthy, right? They're like, he ain't nothing. This verse even talks about those who nailed him to the tree, who sold him, So this is basically everyone who scoffed at the Lord. What does this verse in the song promise that they will truly see that Jesus is Messiah and their response will be deep wailing, right? They ain't going to be happy about it. (laughs) It's kind of of scary because our church, our churches both uh, do a lot of evangelism and stuff. Mm -hmm. And we meet so many people in the street. And when we knock on doors and things who are exactly like this, Mm -hmm. they think nothing of Christ. They Mm -hmm. even mock him and mock us for um, believing in him. And it's kind of like it's it's deeply upsetting to know that this is their fate if they Mm -hmm. don't repent. Yes. And would have been our fate if we hadn't. If we hadn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So it is a very stark reality. So I, I love how it goes from like glory to like okay zoom in who are these people over here wailing let's find Mm -hmm. out who they are you know I'm a very visual person so I'm thinking of it like you know it's like a scene in a movie like you you zoom in on those folks wailing what's going on there those are the scoffers the people are disrespectful one of those big baroque paintings where you've got the huge crowd and you look at like there's over in the corner there's some guy crying his eyes out and somewhere else someone else is like oh yeah I'm sure there has to be like dozens of depictions of this from that time period like there has to be there has to be if you know of one send us a link to one because now I'm actually curious I feel like I might have seen one um anyways I digress okay verse three zooms out to creation and we see that even the islands and the mountains are responding he describes them as fleeing away from the call to judgment Now, we know that the Lord will make all things new 
And this is such great imagery that like even the old heavens and the old earth are being judged, right? They're fleeing away from the presence of the Lord on that day. I just was like, mind blown on this verse. It was so cool. (laughs) It's really great imagery. Yeah. Yeah. And then verse four zooms and zooms in on another crowd, right? It speaks to another part of the scene. And this is the saints. They have been rejected by the world, uh, both and both dead and alive. They're going to be raised again to meet him in the air. Right. So it's like, you got the scarfers over here wailing. You got the mountains running away. And then you got like, you got like the saints like, hey, what's up? You know, <laughs> now I'm imagining it as a painting because you said that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's perfect. It's actually perfect because you see it all together. Like this is the yeah. scene. This is the scene. So we see elements of these verses all over scripture. Like honestly, the amount of verses we could just go on would be endless. But... I think that in First Thessalonians four, you kind of you kind of see some of these points like hit more specifically. So, Car, do you mind reading that for First Thessalonians four? Yeah, of course. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, and with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord and therefore encourage one another with these words. Yeah. So are you encouraged? (laughs) I am. Yes, I am very encouraged because I know, you know, we keep saying this, but it's true. Um, There's been a lot of loss in the last few years. And frankly, the longer you live, the more people you lose. Mm. And so as a Christian, it's a great comfort to know that the the believers that have gone before us, we're going to see them again. Mm-hmm. Also, we're going to get to go to glory, which is amazing. Glory. But it's also <laughs> it's also comforting to know that like this life is not it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I don't remember if it was earlier in the episode or before the recording, but you know, the key, the key thing here, you know, we're reflecting on this during Easter. It said, you know, in that verse that you read there for, since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So it's like, because Jesus rose again on Easter, that is like the assurance that we will be risen in glory with him as well. It's like, yeah, you could trust it. Like this, this check will cash, even though I realize that's a lost reference to you. You've probably never seen a check before. I have cash <laughs> checks. I have cash checks. Um, but yes, it's like, it's, um, there's that verse, isn't it? Where he's the first fruits yes. of us. And mm-hmm. um, because he rose again, we know that we're going to as well, because if we're going to be like him, we're going to rise again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, 
I love it. And you hear the trumpet in this verse as well. Like in this passage you read, the trumpet will sound. He's going to come, you know, come down, descend from heaven with a cry of command, right? So it's, it's, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I really like in verse three where it says, come to judgment, come to judgment. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of like, for us, that's really exciting. It's Mm -hmm. a little bit scary, but Mm -hmm. it's like a really good, exciting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, justice is finally going to be done yeah. but it's also a deeply terrifying thing for anyone who's not right with God but yes. like even though the mountains and everything are fleeing away the call comes out come to judgment and you can't avoid it yes yes and when I was talking to my husband about this episode beforehand he that's the exact thing he said he said <laughs> that trumpet is a trumpet of dread for those who are outside of the Lord it's a tr- like oh no You know, it's like, this is a terrible example, but I'm going to say it anyway. But it's like, you know, it's late at night and it's quiet. Maybe you're reading a book. Maybe you're heading to sleep and you hear like a loud, like, boom, you know, outside. If you're in Ibrox where I live, it's probably a firework (laughs) or something, something else worse. But your heart kind of goes, oh, my gosh, what's that sound? Because like, what could it be? It's the middle of the night. Like, it can't be anything good, you know, um, But like for the Christian, like having that security in Christ, you hear that trumpet and it's not like, oh, what could that be? Do you know? Like we know exactly what it is. We're like, oh, right. You know, like he came back. Like, you know, so it's. You're like jumping up out your seat like it's time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not a mystery. It's like it's it's a it's a cause for praise for us. Um, Beautiful song. Beautiful song because. We have one more verse and and we'll hit it in a second, but it's a beautiful song because it's reflecting God's word, you know, Mm. it's, it's reflecting God's truth. It's amazing that the Lord blessed Charles Wesley with such a gift to be able to write so eloquently and to be able to create these pictures that just really stick with you. But, you know, God created the picture first, (laughs) you know, like he's like, Mm look at this beautiful picture and you're just like coming up, you're trying to string words together to describe what he's actually doing and will do. So beautiful, beautiful hymn. Okay. So verse five, verse five, you're looking at this beautiful picture in the museum, right? I'm going to steal your metaphor. And verse five jerks you back to the spot right in front of the, of the painting because you're in the present and you're not there. But you're really longing to be there. You know, you're looking at it like, oh, man, that's be okay. Just want to step right inside yes. that painting. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, we're longing for the Lord to come and claim his throne so that all can worship him rightly. And we plead for him to come quickly in this verse. Um, the glorious scene sort of fades out of reach and we long for his return. So I think that's just a really great ending to this hymn. Whether there was another verse before it or after it, we don't, we can't know. (laughs) There's no way of knowing. Uh, But at least the way that um, I've seen this, like most of the songs end with this verse. And I think that's really good. Um, I think it's really beautiful. I know that's not very eloquent, but I think it's very beautiful. So there are a few instances in the New Testament where we see this longing expressed. Um, the first instant is Revelation twenty two twenty, 20. Which says, 
He who testifies these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And some of us might know that as Maranatha. You know, that's the same cry. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Um, and again, in 1 Corinthians sixteen twenty-two. First Corinthians 16, 22 says, If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. O Lord, come. Yes, our Lord, come. So I think, and I would be curious to hear all of your thoughts on this now that I've laid out my case. I believe this song to be an appropriate response to Holy Week. Um, in reflecting on what Christ has done, we now look forward to what he will do and now his and how his resurrection, excuse me, was proof that he surely will do it. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and I think it is appropriate to look forward to Easter because in a sense, the key parts of the story are finished, but the story itself is is not finished yet and it doesn't mm. finish until Christ comes back. Mm. And so although we live in this place where we've got salvation fully kind of revealed to us through Christ, we know how it works. We um, have all the information that we need for that right now. Um, we're not we're not with him yet. So there's that promise, isn't there? That one day mm. we will be like him and mm. we're not yet. And so we're still looking forward like there's more to come there's better to come mm -hmm. amen <laughs> yeah well thank you so much Monet for um going through that hymn with us it is a great hymn and I really hope you guys sing it this Easter because you know Christ is coming back and we long for that and it's gonna be great for us but you know as you think about that and you rejoice in that let it remind you as well as you're spending time with maybe unbelieving friends and family this Easter that you know, we need to be sharing the gospel with them as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. It's a great hymn. Can't wait to sing it again. And uh, for our subscribers, we have excellent bonus content. We're going to be talking about a theological subject, not often covered in hymns. If you're not a subscriber, you've already missed out on that, but you don't have to keep missing out. Go to hymnpartial.com and sign up for our weekly newsletter if you want first access to all the fun stuff that we do, all the bonus content, um, sneak peeks of upcoming stuff. Go to hymnpartial.com, sign up for our newsletter today. But until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye.